Let us learn from our rabbis. That's what we're here for, to learn from the G'daylam. How do you get somebody to talk to you? How could you influence somebody? So in this beautiful book, B'nesivais Rabbi Seinu, about the Heilige Rebbe, the Nesiva Shalom, I just read this. He had a big problem. He had a very big problem when he used to learn. It's, it talks about his Hasmada growing up. You know, he was a son-in-law of the previous Rebbe, the Beis Avram. Right? He was a son-in-law. So in a way, you know, when you're not a son and you get it automatically, he was chosen. He was chosen because from when he was a little kid, he, his Hasmada was off the charts. He would learn day and night. Okay? But he had a big problem. Because people would stare him, people would int- interrupt him, and, and, and bother him. Why? Because they liked to talk to him. And he would stop his learning to help another Jew. Struggling, someone needed Eitzah. And somebody went over to him, because he never spoke about this, but somebody went over to him, and he repeated the story. He said he went over to him in the Siva Shalom, and he said, I have a very big problem. I, I, I want to learn, but people, Bachram, keep on coming over to me, disturbing my Torah, my learning time, to be makabel, eitzavach, you know, they, they want eitzah, and in, in mundane matters. And the Rebbe, Siva Shalom said, I'll be honest with you, I had the same problem, and a lot of people used to, to wait online to speak to me. And, and I really thought, you know, that this is an assignment for me because it's bitl Torah. It's Bittal Torah. But I could tell you, at the end of the day, I could tell you, I feel that I only gained and I never lost. Aliyah L'Tayra doesn't just happen from the actual learning. Hashem can, can take away illness and sickness and distractions and depression. Hashem knows how to pay you back. He says, I could just tell you that at the end of the day, even though many, many hours were, were quote-unquote ruined and wasted, schmoozing with Bachram, he says, I can tell you never lost anything. The truth is, look at all the G'daylam. What Reb Chaim Kanievsky's could do in one hour, we can't even do in our whole lives. And he gave up hours and hours and hours because you're not born to be alone and giving up of your learning time, even though it's very, very important to talk to people is part of what's your responsibility as a human. But then he takes it to the next level. 40 days before he passed away. He was schmoozing with one of his grandchildren. And he was saying, The way you treat other people, that's the, the, the most important thing. And he went ahead and he explained. And he said it, he said you should know that a lot of people used to speak to me, come over to me with their problems, their issues. And I want you to know, he tells his grandson, it wasn't because I'm smarter than anybody. And it's not the Torah that I, I learned more than anybody. And and there was no reason that they liked speaking to me more than anybody else, except for one thing. Because every one of those people who came to me felt the MS, truly felt that I love them, ahavas nefesh, that I'm madly in love with them in my soul. And then he said again, Bahad Gosha, he was madgish, he, he said it again, Ahavas Nefesh. He says that's the nature of the Bria. That's the nature of the world. Every person is yearning to feel loved, umekubal, and accepted. 
And the derech of the people are that they're dying, they're yearning for acceptance, and they will follow after someone that they feel loves them. Truly, truly, Ahavas Nefesh loves them. And this was like 40 days before he passed away. What he gave to his grandson was like Tzedel Lederech, a goodbye present. Matanas Preda, a goodbye gift from his Hele Gesaba HaKadosh before he passed away. To explain to his grandchild how powerful the Kayach of Ahava is. How wonderful the life is of those Balmidas, those people with proper character traits that love people. That that person who loves other people becomes beloved by them. They're happy when he's around and they yearn for his kirva, for him being close. It's not about how much we know, right? How does that famous saying go? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's not about having knowledge and, and, and it's, it's not chachma, it's not bina, it's not even holiness. It's a havas nefesh. If a person could feel that I love you and that person feels that, they're going to want you and they're going to follow you and that's how you become a leader. And we don't have to talk about the Nesiva Shalom, biggest leader of the Dar probably. In that way that people gravitated to him and wanted to speak to him. And he said it's not a big problem. A lot of his learning time because he was so, it wasn't charisma. It was just, I love you. It wasn't, wasn't a trick. He had a midah that he had a heart that he cared so much for people that they felt it. And that's how you must be on people. That's when they're open to listen to you. Other people, they force their opinion on people. They scream. You know why they're screaming? Because they, cause you're not listening. You're going to listen. They know if they talk, you ignore them. So you think they have to raise their voice. Rav Pam said, Rav Pam Zatzal said, the, the, the louder I speak, the less people hear. Okay? And Chazanish said something very similar. When, we, when people don't hear us, our tendency is to speak louder, but really we have to speak softer. There's a, there's a letter of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, I don't remember it offhand, where somebody wrote something and he crossed out a thing and he wrote softer, not louder. Something to this effect. All, all tzaddik knew, knew that. We have to prep people to want to hear what we have to say. We do that by not giving advice. We do that by opening up the channels of Ahava. Ahavas nefesh. Ahavas nefesh. And when they could feel your Ahavas nefesh, automatically they're going to want to be like you. That was the secret of home sweet home. I had no idea what's going to happen. I opened the home without any training. We took kids in. They were all Mechal Shabbos. That was the test. They were all, they were Ganovim. They were stole. They were violent. They were, they were, these were rough kids. Each one had a history. Many of them were in psych words. Many of them had tattoos. One of them was Christian before he moved in. These weren't easy kids. And I didn't know what they were going to do. 90% or more walked out of their from. Shemitah says, why? Because for some reason, we had one gift on our side. It wasn't Chachma. We weren't trained. 
was specifically because we weren't trained. They didn't feel like we were playing them. I wasn't a Kirov guy. It wasn't Aisha Torah. There were no tricks. They felt that we really genuinely care about them. And then they just wanted to be like us. They just wanted to be like us. Like us, all the volunteers. Volunteers were all guys my age, 30-year-old guys, married guys with kids. We took off. I made I made a system where every there was a Sunday night group, a Monday night group, a Tuesday night group. Every night there was a different group so they don't get burnt out. And the guys would tell me from the Monday night guys, let's say, they said, you don't see hair grow. But from week to week, we only see them once a week, we notice a difference. And after a short period of time, they just wanted to be like us. Why? Ahavas nefesh. What words did you say to make them stop doing drugs and running after violence? Nothing. There was no therapist on staff. We had actually, for a short period of time, some of the years, we had the, the wonderful therapist Yaakov Solomon, uh, Rabbi Yaakov Solomon came in. He used to walk in, Daddy's home! bring a guitar, schmooze with them. It wasn't really therapy, and it was only for part of the time. And we were matzliach the other parts also. He added a lot though. Rabbi Yechmiel Muslim came in also with a guitar for some parts. I tried adding certain things. There were years we had it, years we didn't. The success was because they felt not judged, and I genuinely like them. I don't know why. I don't know why. Hashem gave me a bracha. I really like, I guess I like broken people that are, are, are I just, I like, I like kips. I like kids, I like off the derech kids. The on the derech people I'm not so crazy about. <laughs> I, they have a certain chain. I, I don't have any expectation. I just want to help them. I just want to do chesed with them. Let me help you get a job. Let me set this up for you so you should be able to have a way back. And they felt it. They felt it. They didn't believe it. They tested me like crazy. They tested me like crazy. And I passed the test because I really didn't have an agenda. When they broke the rules, I wasn't surprised. These are rule breakers, otherwise you don't get in. I expected them to. I would sit down with them and say, so what are we going to do? And they'll be like, what do you mean, what are we going to do? You're going to throw me out. I'm like, there's no me and there's no you. There's you and there's a program. Now, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? You have to graduate the program. I didn't tell them this, but the truth is my success depended on them. When a Rebbe throws out a kid out of the class, he's a failure. When Rosh Hashiva throws a kid out of the, she means he failed for that kid. I couldn't lose kids because I didn't want to be a failure. I mean, it wasn't just about me. It was about them also. But it was like, you know, what are we going to do? It's like, you're going to throw me out. Like They would look at me like, don't you know how to be an adult? Have you never done this? Like, I've been thrown out of six yeshivas, two psych wards, four rehabs, my house 17 times, people who took me in. It's very easy. This is not complicated. I broke the rules. You throw me out. And I'm like... That's not happening. What are we going to do? And that's how they changed. When they break your rules, you have such a chance to prove your loyalty to them. You're not, I'm not throwing you out. Boy number one punched boy number two in the face. It didn't take very long. That was one of the cardinal rules because I can't have violence. It would be the Wild West. So I came to the house and I said, so you punched him in the face? I'm sure he deserved it. Could be. I have no way of knowing. But... We said, violence is out. So what's, what's the reaction of somebody who's homeless and has a chance to be in a beautiful home where we gave him a job and he was going to save up and he's going to be a, 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 a wonderful person and every night we took him out. It's like winning the lottery. And he messes up and he knows he messes up and you're here to remove him from the house. What's their reaction? Tell me. 
F you, drop dead. It's never, oh yeah, I feel so bad, I messed up. It's never that. I don't need this place. What do you think? I need this place. I can go to any AA meeting and I could just say I need a place to stay. I slept on the couch in a studio apartment with a Chinese couple. I could sleep here. I don't sleep on the floor. I don't need you. This kid slept on a Q train. This kid slept on an empty truck in Walmart. He wasn't going to say, wow, I have heat and air conditioning and you gave me everything and I screwed up. I'm so sorry. This is not the Brady Bunch. That doesn't happen. It's F you drop dead. He's getting his stuff. He's cursing me out, right? Like, what did I do wrong? And I said, whoa, 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 what's happening here? He's like, what do you mean what's happening here? It's like, you're throwing me out and I'm cursing you out. I said, but I'm, I'm not throwing you out. I said, you can't stay in the house because we had that rule and, it's, and we have to, have, but come to my house. I moved him into my house, into the guest room. I said, you'll still go to work every day. At night, you can't go out with the guys. You'll stay with me. We'll have fun at night. I'll take you out to eat and we'll do that. You're not losing me just because you can't be in the house. And all the volunteers who 20 years ago were normal, they were like, that's a punishment? I'm like, he doesn't need to be punished. He needs to learn that somebody is not going to drop him. He knows how to be punished. He needs to learn that I'm not dropping you. So he moved into my house, and after about a week, he said, you know, I'd really, I, I, I want to go back to that, to home sweet home. I'm like, no problem. No more hitting? No more hitting. You gonna apologize? That's tough. You know, this is a kid who was abused at eight years old and got beaten for it and he was, he, apologizing to the world is, is, when the world owes him so many apologies is so difficult. And that kid also, he didn't get punched because he said, I really like you. He pushed his buttons. He knew what to say. He said, uh, I said, I'll help you. We'll do it together. And he did it. He did it. Within a month, he started putting on tefillin. He walked out of there, Shem Torah Mitzvah, completely, completely. These are our tools. This is just what we have to focus on. We don't need to be smart. We don't need to be trained. I'm not against training, but sometimes the training takes over, covers our heart, that I want to give you a big yummy hug, but I'm not allowed to. Or I, or I want to say, I, I, I'm so sorry for your pain, but as a parent, you know, the rules are, I, I have to, you know, punish you. But, but that's not what they need. We need to create people who want to follow us. And then when we say something, they can maybe listen to it. But if they're not listening to it and we're talking, we're burning that bridge. So again, Teva Habria, nature, we have to work with nature. Call Adam. Everybody, every person the way they are, right? I always tell you this. Is yearning to feel loved and accepted. And once they feel this person accepts me the way I am, they are going to run after that person. Like water flows. Some kids, they have parents who will die for them, but they think my parents don't like me. I'm not makubal by them. You know who, you know who really likes me? 
You know who I'll fight for? The, the, the guy in front of the bodega who will give me a cigarette even though I'm underage. He really likes me. The drug dealer who comes in five minutes. My friends who say, oh, babe, yeah, I love the skirt. Shorter, shorter, shorter. Wow, you look great. So they're dying to, to be loved and accepted. And the parents who are not TP trained say, but I can't accept. So then there's a wall. So then they're going to find somebody who's going to love them and accept them who the way they are. And then they are going to chase after that crazy person and do anything for their love and do anything for their acceptance and listen to their crazy advice. And that's why we go undercover. And you want to say, no, I don't like tattoos. No, I really am not happy with 18 piercings. No, I'm not. No, I don't. No, I miss. No, I don't. And you shouldn't and you couldn't and you don't. You really want to be normal. But then what happens is you turn off the valve. They don't feel mikubal accepted and then they don't feel your love. And when that is turned off, that valve is turned off, none of your advice is going to work and you can't save them. And they're going to find somebody else who accepts them. That's why we focus on acceptance, proving that I do accept you. And we know how to prove acceptance. And the world looks at you, and your family looks at you, and your neighbors look at you and say, what are you, crazy? The more that you accept, the worse the kid is going to get. But we hear here every single day that when we accept, and we, we support, and we supply, they get healthier, and then they don't need it anymore. And then they say, I don't need you, I have my mommy and my daddy. Nebuch if a kid needs a tattoo. That's the, that's the level of machla, nebuch. But if they need one, and some other person's gonna pay for it or go down with them, or daddy and mommy, if you wanna be doing this, and you want them following you, and wanting to be like you, you've gotta be the one to supply it. Ask your rav, if you have a shaila, different story. And talking about human nature. Don't drop your kid, ever. Ever, ever. I've never found a reason to drop a kid. And, and we don't make them worse. And they don't get more tattoos because we accept it. And they don't do more drugs because we don't fight them on it. They get healthier because they have a mom and a dad. And then eventually they're going to want to be like you. That's our secret. That's why we have hundreds of TP families that are calm. And the new families will testify because you're on the fence. You still remember what it was like and it's still like the chaos, and you would, you would do anything to get rid of the chaos, correct? You would give a kidney, just turn it off, stop the chaos, stop the craziness, we gotta stop the insanity, and Nebuch, we have to focus on the new, on the new families, they're still going through it, but all the other people that are here more than six months or a year will tell you, it's turned off, there's no chaos, kid is dysfunctional, kid has problems, it does cost money, but our home is not dysfunctional. We are not dysfunctional. Raise your hand if you're here more than a year and you can sleep at night. Keep it up. Okay? The people whose hands are not up, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie. 95%, right? Your hands are down, your hands are down, your hands are down, your hands, because you're not here a year. Anybody here over a year that you can't sleep at night, see me after class. We're certainly 95%, probably 100%, but let's say 95% successful. And out, out there, you know what's going on? I'm getting phone calls. People are going crazy. 
the pain of the parents, you don't sleep, there's no night, there's no day, and you can't give them, and you can't give them, and they keep on saying, you can't, you can't, you can't, and we're not going to give, and we're not, and this is crazy, and, and the chaos gets worse. And we give and give and give and give and give. The chaos goes away. And and they tell you, you're crazy. Okay, we'll be crazy. And then the other half of the people who get it, they say, well, of course the kid's not going to commit suicide if you give them everything. What's the kunz in that? And I'm like, it's not. A, it was never a kunz. It was never a trick. It was always very simple. Kids don't want, want to die if you're taking them to Disney World and you're giving them whatever they want. But how are they going to learn? Well, first of all, when they're dead, they don't learn either. And we're losing kids every single day. You said you just came from a, right, from a shiva house of a boy, and, and all they did was have a picture of a five-year-old boy there. From, from a, a, every day we're losing kids. And that's what we're up against. Second of all, when they calm down, and they mature, and they're happy, look five years later, look ten years later. They, they want to be like us because they're, they're with us and they, they know everything. We have nothing to teach them anyway. So we got to end the crisis. We got to open up our Ahabas Nefesh. That's, that's the first thing I teach you. Everybody's like, send the kid here, send the kid there, find a mentor, find a this, find a that, put him here, put him there. N- nothing works. It's all here. It's all here. You got to just open up this thing and it's hard and I'll help you. And you know who will help you? The other parents in the group will help you. They will help you follow what they've done to take away the pain and the, the embarrassment and the torture and the financial stress and the embarrassment and the, and the financial stress and the embarrassment and the financial, it's crazy. It's embarrassing. It's financial stress over and over and over again. And, and open up your heart to have a snafish because when you're connected, nafshik shur benafshay, a lot of this stuff just melts away over time. And then you end up with, like I was speaking to you so a couple beforehand, with a dysfunctional person. The actual machla, not the additional machla that I'm on fire with hatred because my mother thinks I'm a piece of garbage and my father hasn't looked at me in six months and wishes I would get hit by a car. We're taking none of that, none of that, none of that. And then eventually they look in the mirror and they say, I need help. Why can't, why don't I sleep at night? Why can't I live without weed? Or, or eventually, a couple of years later, how long are you here? Two years? She's 80, you're here two years? Yeah. Um, we're here. Two years? Approximately. And she's 80 days off weed. We have every month, at, for sure you see on the chat, at least once a month, another kid is stopping weed. Because we supplied it, we supported it, yep. As if it's a medicine, because it is. And in our house, I don't want them in the parks. That's where they meet up with other people with bad influences who slip them other stuff that's worse. We just support and supply. and But why would they ever stop? Because they do. Right? You have to do it. But you have to do it. You have to be in the sugya and, and see it happen. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. But it makes a lot of sense.